Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome into the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. This episode, it's going to break some news. A little scoop here. Big 12 schedule. Every team, every date, every game for December. Going to share it first here on the podcast. If you are a Big 12 fan, a college basketball fan, and you found this podcast specifically because of that, one, you're going to love the podcast. Two, happy to finally have you. And three, Whatever way you get your podcast, however you subscribe, if you could be so kind, subscribe, rate, leave a review. We always appreciate that. This was a fun episode. October is here. The season is not so far off. Gary, let's get it going. You know where we got to start. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, October 1st, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. And the biggest story in the sport this week is probably Louisville coach Chris Mack responding to Kentucky coach John Calipari via a video published on Twitter making it clear he thinks the Hall of Famer is ridiculous and manipulative, but that regardless, the Cardinals will host UK at the Yum Center in December. Now, for those unfamiliar, here's the backstory. So Louisville and Kentucky is one of the best, if not the best, college basketball rivalries in the country. They play annually and they have played annually every season since the 1983-84 season. But Chris Mack suggested last month that maybe the game shouldn't be played this season because more or less he didn't think it was fair for Louisville to play in front of 21,000 people at Rupp Arena last season, then host UK at the Yum Center this season with no fans, then return to Rupp Arena next season and play in front of 21,000 Kentucky fans again. So that's where we were. Then John Calipari responded last week by basically saying, look, we have a contract and a date uh, we plan to play the game and not on a neutral court. We plan to play at Louisville this season, then at Kentucky the next season, then at Louisville after that, so on and so forth. It is not our fault we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we're not budging. We're prepared to play at Louisville on December 26th. So the story was left there for a few days. And then on Tuesday afternoon, Chris Mack responded with this. Cards fans. Your fearless leader, Coach Mack. I keep getting asked, Coach, are we playing the game? Are you scared? Are you a chicken? You won't play Kentucky? As for the UK series, here's the thing. I want to do what's most convenient for John and his program. You do believe that, right? that I want to do what's best for John. Never mind the fact that we had a December 12th mutually agreed upon date to play the game. And never mind the fact that they backed out of the 12th because they were returning from London on December 6th after playing Michigan. Thought it was too close to the 12th. Never mind the fact that that December 6th game got canceled. No trip to London. Can we play that game on the 12th? Never mind the fact that they scheduled Notre Dame in lieu of playing us 
on the mutually agreed upon date of December 12th. Never mind the fact that they called ESPN and tried to change one of our ACC games without our knowledge or permission. Never mind the fact that Coach Stoops and his football program at the University of Kentucky honored that request in football to move Louisville's home game from 2020 to 2021. If you can do it in football, seems like you could do it in basketball. Never mind the fact that the University of Cincinnati asked us to do the exact same thing that we're asking Kentucky to do. And we honor that request. Listen, I don't want to stand in the way of college basketball's best rivalry. Whatever is most convenient for Coach Cal, we'll do it. See in the Um Center. Go Cards. Oh my goodness. Tremendous. We have so much to talk about here. And I'm actually surprised that we went as long as we did till getting this podcast done. I know I I am positive our listeners were hoping we would start with this and you bet your ass we're starting with this here. Word All right, I'm giving it right back to you. Where do you want to start? What do you want to dissect? How do you want to react? Mac goes after Cal publicly with some good spirit, but let's be real. Definitely airing the laundry as well. What do you think, GP? Well, first, when Louisville and Kentucky were being led by John Calipari and Rick Pitino, I did think that it was suddenly the best rivalry in college basketball, even better than Duke, North Carolina, because you had two big brands in the same state and two men that did, they don't like each other. Like Rick and John can put on a nice face for each other if they need to. And they do have a a pleasant history a long time ago, but they reached a point where they really just genuinely did not like each other. And so when you had those two guys not liking each other, leading those brands, nothing better than that. I was afraid that when Rick um, was moved along, by the Louisville administration that the rivalry might lose something because Chris Mack and John Calipari don't have the same kind of history, but they do now. Cause they, they, they I don't know how John feels about Chris, but I, I can promise you that video roughly two minutes from Chris Mack um, was said in a way that I don't know. It wasn't mean spirited, but Chris Mack is frustrated by the way this thing has played out, gone down. And if you need some personal stuff to make a rivalry great, we now have very clear personal stuff between John Calipari and Chris Mack. We do. And plenty of questions remain. So much to talk about this video, which I don't feel like it's... I really don't feel like it's an overstatement to say this is one of the three greatest things to happen in college basketball's offseason. It is... That juicy, was that unexpected, that unpredictable, and plot lines, subplots galore. Um, should mention near the top here that obviously, and unfortunately, to the disappointment of pretty much almost everyone that follows college basketball, uh, John Calipari did not respond with a video of his own. Otherwise, you would have heard it already by now in this podcast. Instead, uh, a couple hours after Mac posted that on Tuesday night, Cal's exact tweet was, see you December 26th, can't wait, exclamation point. So, a couple things here. Um, 
my re- so this thing pops up on my feed like I, we had eaten dinner and and I got a text saying oh my god Chris Mack and I I I didn't know what that possibly meant got another text being like I can't believe Mac just did that and then I thought okay or I can't believe just Mac just tweeted that so then I go bring up the bring up the feed and a couple people have retweeted it and so I start playing it and I don't really know what to expect I don't know what this thing's going to be but I see it's like a 2 minute video parish and once he got to the 35-second mark where he said, you don't believe I want to do what's best for John's program, it kind of like, it just threw me a little bit there. And then once he started mentioning the Michigan game, the Michigan date, and then once he mentioned the Notre Dame date on the 12th, you know, as we hear from coaches, what what Chris Mack said on to the public about Kentucky and Louisville of every of all the teams, you'll get that occasionally from a coach on a phone call, just kind of like bitching off the record about I this this you know this team's just not giving me a straight thing. We can't land on it, and honestly, it's usually not as bad as what Mack laid out there. But for Chris Mack to do the unthinkable, and that is what you laid out at the top. He wonders aloud if they might be able to do a neutral, which you and I said on last week's podcast, there's no way John Calipari was going to go for that. And then Cal comes back and basically puts everything on Chris Mack's shoulders. He says, listen, we can't control COVID-19. We didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. I really hope Louisville doesn't want to get out of this great rivalry that's so great for the game, so great for our sport. He does the expert political answer, and it is a no-win situation for Chris Mack. But GP... I mean, for Chris Mack to basically say, all right, there's no way I win by not playing this game. I mean, I am the ultimate villain. I'm going to get smeared. It's just, I I can't do it. There's just no way. But if it's going to be like that, then here we go. I'm going to tell everyone just exactly what's been going on behind the scenes. And the detail more than any other, and there are plenty that we can still get to, but Chris Mack revealing that Kentucky, and when he says Kentucky, I don't mean this is necessarily Calipari. It could have been anyone in their administration, um, associate athletic director. You never know who it would have been. Went to ESPN to see if they could finagle Louisville's schedule without Louisville's permission. That's just that's definitely the kind of thing where it will set off any head coach. If if any head coach gets word that another team went to a TV because TV wields so much power, as you know, Parish. That was I. It kind of blew me out of my chair when I heard that. Well, the thing you have to understand about John is that he is 99% of the time, and it might be 100, going to look out for John Calipari and his program. He is not interested in compromising on things. So to be clear, if John were on the other side of this, In other words, if this were 2019, not 2020, and this game was scheduled to be played at Rupp Arena in front of no fans, trust me when I tell you John would be making the same argument that Chris is making, which is, listen, if we're not going to have fans, it doesn't make any sense to call this a home game for one of us. We were just at your place um, in in front of a sold-out crowd last season, um, now you're going to come to my place, play in front of nobody. Then I got to go next season back to your place, play in front of a sold out crowd. That's, that's clearly not right. So let's just not play this year or even better than that. Let's just play this on a neutral court and we'll get back on rotation on 
schedule as soon as we can fill up our arena. John would be arguing the same thing Chris is arguing if this was supposed to be a, a home game for Kentucky. Let's stop here for a second. Do you agree or disagree with that? I... I don't know if I all the way agree, but I do know I so wish the situation was reversed because I want to know what he'd do. I do want to know what he I'm would do. I'm telling you that. what he would do. I know. And he, listen, to new listeners of the podcast that may not be aware, Parrish was the beat writer for Memphis when Cal was there. He knows him as well as pretty much anyone in college basketball media. And I will also say this. I was informed, uh, I'll say on background, that there is probably more to this with Louisville's side of the story that has not been aired yet, and I think that's, I think that's a fair insinuation to make. I don't think that Kentucky is entirely in the wrong behind the scenes in all this. Of course, Chris Mack's not going to volunteer that on a video, but uh, as these things can sometimes go, there might be an item or two that we don't yet know about and hasn't been disclosed, and... Calipari has not made that known yet. I am eager to see if anything is veily slipped in in that regard between now and when the game is played on December 26th, a nice little day after Christmas present. But also keep that in mind. I am told there are other things about this whole thing that still have not been made known that might not um, be as good for Louisville, similar to what Mac laid out with Kentucky. Here is what I am insisting, that given the actual details connected to this game under these circumstances, John has the contract on his side and it says you're supposed to be at the Yum Center. So he will enthusiastically argue, hey, listen, I, I'm not, I, I didn't predict this pandemic. I didn't realize it was still going to be a thing in December 2020. I don't know when it's going to be over. So we could be playing in Rupp Arena in front of no fans next season. And if, and if that's the case, then like that's when we're supposed to play. We'll play. I'm not going to argue with it. But right now, we are scheduled to play a game at the Yum Center, and like it's just the way this unfolded. And so, like we're gonna we're gonna play the game. There's no reason to budge on that. Given that he's on on this side of it, that is what he would argue. If he were on Chris Mack's side of it, he would be arguing the opposite. He would be arguing more or less the same argument that Chris is using. Um, I'm not. I want to be careful with how I, I explain this because I don't want people cherry picking it and try to make it into something it's not. I'm not saying John Calipari is like Lindsey Graham or John Calipari is like Mitch McConnell, but obviously we have a pretty big political argument happening right now in our country based on a Supreme Court justice. A, a seat has opened and the Republicans are going to, uh, they, uh, they, they are, President Trump has already nominated um, a, a replacement. And and the Senate, which is, um, you know, controlled by Republicans, they're almost certainly going to confirm her. And the reason this is controversial is because back in 2016, a seat opened in the year of an election. And whether it was Lindsey Graham or Mitch McConnell or a lot of people on that side of the aisle, they argued, listen, we should not move forward with a new justice right now we should let the american people decide we have an election later this year and whoever wins that election should then be able to appoint the next supreme court justice but the idea that we would do it in an election year like this it's just it's just not the right thing to do and lindsey graham went so far as to say if we get to 2020 and a seat opens and a Republican is the president, uh, you can use these words against me. 
and say, but Lindsay, back in 2016, you said you can't go through with a Supreme Court justice in an election year. So you, you've got to stay consistent with that now. And so you fast forward to 2020. It actually did happen. And now Lindsey Graham's like, listen, we control. We have the White House. We have the Senate. We're going to push this nominee through. My point being this. When they needed to argue one side of it to, to, to get the result they wanted, they did. And now they have to argue the completely opposite side of it to get the result that they want. So they are. And let me be clear, even as a left-leaning individual, I don't blame them at all. Like if, 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 if I were, if I had the white house right now and I had the Senate right now, I would be trying to get my nominee through same way they're going to do. The point is this, you just have to understand they're not into compromise. They did what they had the power to do in 2016. And now they will do what they have the power to do in 2020 with no regard for the fact that they, the two arguments contradict each other completely. And John is very much wired the same way. If he needs to argue something one direction to benefit his program and then argue something that contradicts that argument to also benefit his program, he is very comfortable doing it. And that's what I think he's doing right now. If he were on the Chris Mack side of this, he would be arguing the Chris Mack side of this. Given that he's on his side of it and the contracts work in his favor, then he sees no reason to not play the game or to move the game to the neutral court. And, it, and so to, to, to link this all together, if you're Chris Mack, because in that video, Chris is like, listen, we had an agreed upon date December 12th, and uh, then they asked us if we could move it. So we we're like, sure, we'll work with you on this. Just understand, you might be willing to work with him or work with Kentucky on something, but he will never work with you unless it benefits his program. That, that, and I... That's a, I, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it is a thing you need to understand. Just because I promise you there's a part of Chris and other coaches that say, hey, listen, if we compromise on this thing and work with you on this thing, then if we need him to work with us on this thing, then they'll work with us on that thing. That is not who John is. He, he is almost always going to do what's best for his program, period. And, this, and that's what he's doing right now. Uh, you know, the, the just the plot twist heel turn by Chris Mack here, where, like, Calipari has been regarded as college basketball's villain on a national level for, you know, 10 years now. And the, the fact that that Mack just embraces this villain role, and I think Mack is actually, I don't know if he is now, but I think he grew up like a, like a, a what was then known as the WWF, but the w, a WWE fan. So he's just kind of, like, leaning into this part. And I will say... When you and plenty that heard the heard the audio here, I'm sure a lot of you watched the the tweet or saw the video in some form when it came out that night or in in the subsequent day or so. Um, I, he's looking right into the phone, like he didn't. Have oh, a, it, it is, he didn't it have is perfectly script. executed. It's amazing. Like there's no script there. Like he might have done that. Might have been take five. It could have been take one. I don't know, Parrish. But he the the pacing, the language, the yes. tone. Like it's it's uh, try and think about that happening between any from any coach at a top 25 program in college football. Like, it would never happen. In fact, I did see a couple of college football reporters tweet afterward, like, I wish my sport could be like this. And I, I'll also tell you this, like, in talking just, you know, with coaches here or there since Tuesday, like, five or six of them, like, we've been talking, we'd be talking about something else all, all together, and they'll be like, what do you think of the Chris Mack video? Like, obviously it has been, and I have not even tried to reach out to Chris since this, because I imagine, like, you post that, and it's it's hundreds and hundreds of text messages coming into your phone. I, I bet he hasn't even caught up. It's as if he, like, made the final four. His phone is that busy. The performance. And if Cal did the same thing, because uh, I know Kentucky fans, 
you are a joyful, enthusiastic lot, but you love to say, well, if this happened to Kentucky, I guarantee you that if Kentucky and Calipari did this, first of all, it would have been an emergency podcast, and we would be reveling in it just as much because Cal is great on camera, and I wish that he would do this. So I was super disappointed when he only went with the tweet. But that was his just that was his way of saying, yeah, thanks. Thanks, pu- thanks Puppet. Game's when I want it to be. We're coming to your place. No fans. See you on December 26th. Like, but but here's the thing. Like, like Cal wins the argument to the extent that it's an argument. Chris yeah. doesn't want to play the game, um, you know, and call it a, a Louisville home game. Cal does. So now it's going to be played as a Louisville home game. Cal gets what he wants. He wins the argument. I think he knew he can't outdo. He can't, he can't win the video war. He could not outdo the video. Only if there was one or two other th- – I, I agree with you. Like, just in terms of straight performance and delivery, I completely I completely agree. But, oh, man, it's just – and the thing is, like, this is great for college. Ba- I want more of this genuine – like, I'm not searching for humans to hate each other, but it is great for fan bases and the media when you have coaches unafraid publicly to go after each other like this because there, are, this college basketball isn't rife with this, but there is the occasional – coach who's not so good with another coach and that stuff never gets brought up publicly or if it does it's very very you know surface level without tipping their hand too much this is this is terrific I mean I I give me more of this and I know that everyone listening would agree with this just embrace lean into the rivalry and now it's got some real juice and as I said before this is uh, to me this was like a top three thing in the offseason I was like genuinely excited because you never ever see this you'll get a coach after a game at a press conference he's seated about the official he's about his player he's heated about a loss we have the head coach of louisville going after the head coach of kentucky and as he says the best rivalry in college basketball i would disagree obviously it's top two but nevertheless it's more heated than duke and carolina mike krzyzewski and roy williams uh, can you even imagine roy williams in his office queuing up his iphone and trying to make this happen it would be unbelievable obviously it couldn't happen if it did it would it would beat this tenfold but since we're not going to get that matt going after a cow like this is just the absolute best well like roy and k like I'm sure when you when you're a part of that rivalry and you're recruiting a lot of the same players, you win some, you lose some. Like they're not best buddies, but there is not um obvious disgust between the two in a very public way. Um like again, I don't I don't I don't think they're best friends, but they they're they're not taking shots at each other publicly the way Chris went after John. And that's the other thing. It's not just the Louisville coach going after the Kentucky coach. It is the little, it is Chris Mack going after John Calipari. Like most coaches won't just, even if I, there's a long list of coaches. What you're saying though here is just to be clear, is it's specifically going after John Calipari, which no one else in the sport will do. Nobody, nobody really does that. Like most, there's a long list of coaches who will, you know, on the phone. Yeah. Go, you won't believe what Cal did, or you this 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 dude's driving me crazy, or like there's a long list of that. Like I can remember being when I was the beat writer at I guess it was Conference USA spring meetings down in Destin, Florida. Sounds and the way amazing. those things work is um, you know, you sit out in a hall and you wait for the meetings to break up and then you say, Hey, what happened? You know, it's just it is always a fun assignment. You'd basically at the beach for four days and and, and you know, it's it, I took the family every time. But I can remember one time Larry Eustachie, I guess, was a head coach at Southern Miss, and he walks out of the meeting. The meeting's still going on, and he walks out 
And I didn't even really know Larry at the time. I'm sitting on a couch and he sits down. Like there's two couches next to each other. He sits down right next to me or no, like on the couch across from me. And he just sort of sits there and I said, so how's it going? He said, oh, it's a blast. You can't imagine how much fun it is to fly to Florida and sit in a meeting and have John Calipari <laughs> tell everybody what to do with their programs. So like there's a lot of that, but most people won't publicly just go right for Cal's throat. And more or less, Chris Mack went right for, for his throat, which I, I thought was tremendous Absolutely tremendous. Um, I, I like as I was thinking about this, like the the way John will make his argument, even if it's the argument that uh, runs opposite of the argument he would make if he were on the other side of it. Um, yeah, like from a scheduling perspective, you might remember Memphis and Gonzaga used to play like a January non-league game every year, and the reason was. Uh, they, they both needed it. Like they both would play tough non-league schedules. Then they get into their league. They'd be rolling through it. And they just wanted to play a legitimate opponent, sure, high yes. profile game. So they would play that game. Gonzaga Memphis. And I remember talking to Mark few about it one time. People probably remember that Memphis Gonzaga played. What you probably don't remember is Memphis never played at the kennel. They would never go there. They went to downtown Spokane would never play at the kennel. And so when I was talking to Mark few about it one time, he said, I, I said, so why, why don't you get them to come to the kennel? He said, Cal wouldn't do it. And he said, it's not even that Cal wouldn't do it. He said, the argument that Cal presents for not doing it is just hilarious. And you know, Mark, he's laid back. So he's like, whatever. I, I don't care. Let's just play the game. I'm tired of talking to you about it. Like, I, I want to go fly fishing. Like, let's get off the phone. But this is the argument Cal made to Mark. It was like, okay, we're going to do a four-year home and home, and uh, we'll start it. What, you know, and Mark's like, where do you want to start it? Well, let's start it at FedEx Forum. Fine, we'll start it at FedEx Forum. Doesn't matter. We'll come to Memphis first. So, and then Cal's like, okay, um, and we'll play you. You'll play us in downtown Memphis. We'll play you in downtown Spokane. And Mark's like, well, no, like you come to the kennel, come to our, our, our home arena. And, and John's like, well, Mark, I, we're not going to, I'm not asking you to play me on my campus. So why should I play you on your campus? Mark's like, what? He's like, but I, I, I just, I want to play you in downtown Memphis. So I'll play you in, de, in, in the, so while you, I'll play you in downtown Spokane. Like, I'm not asking you to come to my campus. Why would I come to your campus? And Mark's like, you don't have an arena on your campus. What are you talking about? I'm playing you where you play all your home games. I'm just asking you to play me where I play all my home games. He said, no, I, like if, if I were, if you were coming to my campus, then that would make sense. But since I'm just saying, come to downtown Memphis, play me downtown. So I'll come to downtown Spokane. I'll play you downtown. And Mark's like, are you being serious right now? <laughs> like, you're, you don't have an on-campus arena. You're, Matt, you're acting like, well, you know, I'm not asking you to play me on campus. But you couldn't ask me to play you on campus. What are you talking about? And John would not budge. He was like, listen, I, we play in downtown Memphis. We play in downtown Spokane. If we play on campus at Memphis, we'll play on campus at Gonzaga. I'm not asking you to do that, so we're not going to do that. And at the end of the day, Mark was like, whatever, dude, it, fine. But he was like, he's, he's arguing it almost with a straight face. <laughs> like, Amazing. like, well, I'm not asking you to come to my campus. So why should I come to your campus? So in that case, Mark was just like, fine, whatever. We'll see you in downtown Spokane. But the point is like, John can make those arguments and never butch. That's right. Um, and, 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 and that's, and that's right. what he, that's what he was prepared to do on this one. We will play at the Yum Center as scheduled, I'm honoring the contract, 
And if we don't play, it's on you. And if you don't want to play us this year, then you might be putting the series at risk. You're exactly right. He put both feet, dug them in, and put all of the pressure on Chris Mack. Well, Chris was ultimately going to have to budge, but the fact that he budged with an incredible video makes it all worth it to all, me. All, all-timer. All-timer. And, hey, we get the game, which is great, December 26th, provided we can we can play that without any uh, postponements or cancellations. Um, just, uh, again, bravo, Chris Mack. Cal, give us something good. I'm sure Indiana fans listening to this that have been waiting for Kentucky to re- return uh, to IU have taken a certain amount uh, of of joy and frustration this as well. I got one more thing with this video, though. S- the most slept-on part of this video, I'm going to play this sound bite real quick here because C- Chris Mack showed his age just real early on here. Just real quick. Are you scared? Are you a chicken? All right. Parrish, when was the last time you ever heard someone call someone else a chicken? I mean, this is straight out of 1988. I, Did you? Uh, that was like the first thing when I played the video. I'm like, are you a chicken? No one has said that to Chris Mack. That was never I, uttered. I, I, that was one of my favorite parts because it, it, it very, it, you nailed it. He did sort of sound like a wrestling promo, like building up to it, the pace you won't play he was can- talking. Yeah. It, it, that was all good. I actually love chicken because I'll, <laughs> like, I'll, I, I got the same group of guys. We play golf every Sunday morning. And so as I'm trying to set up a tee time, I'll text them. And then it'll, uh, one of them be like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play. And I immediately go. You scared? Are you a chicken? Chicken. I love chicken. I'm building, I, thought that, I thought that was a highlight, not a low light. I'm building sound drops and I will be keeping your buck box. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I love chicken. Scared, I, are you a chicken? <laughs> and the emphasis on the word chicken is really chicken. well done. Are you it's a really, chicken? It's yes. really well done. I love the video. I actually did reach out to Chris after the video just to tell him that was a great video. Oh, just, just, <laughs> just great stuff and giving us incredible podcast lead material. I mean, we're, more, we're a half hour deep into this. We can, we can move on, but that was, uh, that was good stuff. Great to hear that that game is still on. December 26th, wonderful. Day after Christmas as well. And, uh, and so there we go. And let me fast forward to, uh, De- uh, to December 26th, day after Christmas. Everybody will be watching the pregame handshake. Like, ooh, what's going to happen? Let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to both smile. That's right. They're going to both laugh, and they're going to shake hands and hug each other. That's correct. And then they're going to privately want to kill each other. <laughs> Couldn't ask for more. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love John digging in. I love Chris having to respond the way he did. Perfect for um, any rivalry, but especially that rivalry. Like you said, let's move on. Um, how testing may or may not work for the upcoming college basketball season has been a big story in the sport. Norlander wrote about it the other day. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So testing and how it may or may not work for the upcoming college basketball season is a big story in the sport. Norlander, you wrote 73,000 words on it earlier this week. So tell the folks what they need to know, but use fewer than 73,000 words. It was 3,200. But I will be succinct. Have you ever written a 650-word column? Uh, a column? No. 650 words is usually what we call a newser in the biz. Um, only you can pull off a 650-word column. I actually think that you have. It's rare. It's rare. It's like seeing a snow leopard in the wild. But I actually think that you have done the rare, like, 415-word column before. It's 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 very difficult to pull off. But I think only you and Bill Plaschke actually have that ability to do. I I can do it. I don't I know need. I, like, I wrote a Buzz Williams column earlier in the week, and that was, like, 1,100 words. I was surprised. But I don't need that like if I, I if I were your editor I would challenge you I would say how many words are you gonna have on this column and you'd say uh 2200 I'd say okay I want you to cut it by 30 percent I want doubt. you to finish it I want you to I want you to write 2200 words and then I want you to take 30 percent out of it like that's actually for any uh, young writers out there that is actually a good exercise like write whatever column you want to write yes however many words you want it to be in all seriousness, I'm not just goofing on Norlander here. And I'm not goofing. He's talented. He's doing what he does. But, like, say, okay, here's a thousand-word column. Now cut it by 10%. But I really like it the way it is. Okay, cut it by 10 Make it Make it 900 words instead of a thousand. That's a good writing exercise. Not only that, but I had a journalism professor in college where it would be cut it by 10%. Do you like it? Okay, yeah, 10 more percent. Oh, you got to be kidding me. 10 more percent. So uh, for this particular story, uh, not that you must know, but it was actually at 3,900. Chopped it down. Oh, God. I know. Listen, it's also a, it's a, it is a. I you can get your COVID-19 test results back before you finish reading the story. <laughs> I well, it, I do want to push everyone to read the story. It, I wrote it because it is the one thing that uh, some coaches and definitely ADs and conference commissioners have been increasingly concerned about, and we're not going to get in. Read the story. I'm not going to break it all down here, but I do want Paris's just general thoughts on it. I'm going to lay out what's facing college basketball right now, the good and the bad, because right now, as of today, according to Ralph Russo of the Associated Press, college football has lost 24 games to cancellations or postponements. And since we haven't had a ranked-on-ranked matchup happen with that, um, you know, Notre Dame-Wake's probably the biggest profile game, uh, and that made a little bit of noise. But everyone's had bye weeks and open dates down the road where games can be pushed back. SEC just started. Pac-12, Big Ten, they haven't played yet. This hasn't been a huge thing yet, but what I heard from administrators is, let's circle back around like October 20th, October 27th, and let's just see how much of a problem this is for college football season, which is going to get through almost no matter what, but uh, with some serious delays and stalls. We are seeing it right now with the Tennessee Titans-Pittsburgh Steelers game because the Titans have had a slew of COVID positives, and I'll explain to you real quick in just a second how that ties into college basketball. So college basketball is hoping that certain rules about the coronavirus and positive tests can change before the season starts because if it doesn't, 
I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. And multiple coaches explained to me that they don't think that, like, any team is playing its full schedule, and a lot of teams might not get in 10 games or 12 games because right now, here's how it works. If you don't have daily testing and one person in your program, player, coach, manager, Dobo, anyone that is in the practice gym around your program and is defined as a tier one individual, you get one person who tests positive and it's confirmed, your entire program stops playing, stops practicing everything for a minimum of 14 days. This isn't football with one game a week. 14 days you're out, it just ravages your schedule. And so, Parrish, the concern here is that if that doesn't change, and they don't think that it will because it's a CDC guideline for the general population, and they don't think that's going to alter by November 25th, then we're going to be looking at a situation, especially with mid-major and low-major teams, where they are just pockets, gone, gone, dark, dark, gone, where we will have a good chance at having occasional games not getting played and not an endless wave of them, ideally, is with the teams that matter. The power conference teams, because here's why. I talked to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, and he's quoting the article. This is my last thing, and I'll throw it to Parrish. It is very important. This is what the NFL is doing, what the MLB also was able to do. If you have literally daily antigen testing, you are tested every single day, and you have practice, and you go about your life, and... You, you have all this, and a Thursday comes. It's the middle of December, and let's just go hypothetical here. So it's a Thursday, and Clemson basketball has everyone test negative before practice on Thursday. They have a practice on Friday, and they have one player test positive. Well, they're doing daily testing. So because of that, the one player who tests positive now has to – he'll be confirmed with a PCR up the nose swab test, which is not like the antigen test. And if that's confirmed, he's done. Minimum 14 days plus heart stuff. Really, it's going to be closer to three weeks if not longer. But the point is the rest of the team, so long as they continue to test negative, can continue to practice, can continue to play. That's huge, and it's why you're going to see a lot of big conference play big conference. Right now, the only two leagues that have that set up ironically enough, are the two leagues that did not offer to play football first. The Pac-12 got it first. The Big Ten announced it on Wednesday. It's your only way to avoid everyone sitting a minimum of two weeks and then trying to get games in as possible. But shy of that, the question becomes, let's say that happens with Clemson, and Clemson's got a game on Saturday against Duke. Does Duke say, okay, you had one, you had one negative. They're quarantined. Everyone else is positive. We're still going to play you? Is Duke really going to be allowed to do that? We don't know, but these are the major, major concerns from a scheduling perspective, and it is why, Parrish, I think that the sport is going to have a season, but I think, like, minimally 15% of the schedule is not going to wind up getting played. I, I you know, my, my general response would be, I think your assessment of it is accurate. Um, like, at the high major level, I, I'm going to assume, and, and you tell me if I shouldn't assume this, I'm going to assume that the SEC and, and the Big 12 are going to have daily testing available by then as well. Is that, a, is, that a, is that just an assumption or is it a reasonable assumption? I think it's a reasonable assumption, but they don't have it yet. The coaches right. don't know when it's coming. And they also, there are some people at SEC and Big 12 programs that are waiting slash hoping that the NCAA guidelines change to not allow for 14 days. I personally think that is a bridge too far and it is not going to change. Well, here's what I would say. If you've got daily testing I think you're going to be able to get through a season. If you have to, um, if you have to re respond 
to a positive test with contact tracing as currently described. Good luck. I don't know how you do that. Um, I think the coaches who told you, I don't know how we get through a season, if that's the way it's going to be. Um, are, pa- Passner are, said are, that. Passner right. I, Josh yeah, Passner I, has been railing on this for, I, he told me, he said for like six weeks, I've been on ACC calls. They're talking about all this stuff. And he's like, guys, are you listening to me? Like, if we don't have daily testing, we're not having a season because this is going to have a massive domino effect. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Like, okay, in football, and like you said, like, we're, we're losing 25% of the scheduled games. Is something, was it 24%? What's the it number? It was like 23.4 from the first three weeks worth of play. Like, it's a signif- that's a significant number, and basketball has more games in a shorter time span. Well, like, you know, in my hometown, the University of Memphis has had three games scheduled. Two of them have been canceled. Okay. And it's not all because of positive tests. It's because they do not have daily testing. And so if you ask Ryan Silverfield, the first year head coach at Memphis, the problem, what he will tell you, and he has said this, is that the problem isn't the positive. He's, I'm not quoting him. This is paraphrasing. He'll tell you the positive is not, uh, the, the problem is not the positive test. The problem is the contact tracing. You're like right. once you contact trace a football team, it's over with. And I, I, I don't know if the majority of games that have been canceled have been canceled because of contact tracing. That's what I was told, Paris, that yes, that more, most of them have yes. been for that reason, yes. That's what, that's what I would assume, is that it's not the positive test, it's the contact tracing. Well, again, in football, there is a scenario where your quarterbacks in a game week never get close to your defensive backs, right? There's a scenario where your wide receivers never get close to your uh, offensive linemen. Like you can, you can manipulate a football practice in basketball. Everybody's everybody's, you know, it's everybody's in the same room. Everybody's on the same court. And it's indoors. Unlike football where they don't think the virus is nearly as likely to spread outside. And you can have offensive linemen only going up against either dummies or maybe D linemen. And you can basically have players in pods. The rosters are bigger and even still perish like a football roster with scholarship. 85, I think basketball's 13, right? You know, five, six times bigger. It's just basketball is not set up for this. And so I was talking with Lon Kruger about this as well. And I said, listen, Lon, I don't know if this is viable, but like if you were presented with this and you don't have daily testing as a Big 12 school, like would you consider to avoid this scenario, like you've got 13 scholarship and let's just say you've got, you know, three walk-ons or at least two walk-ons. Like you go seven in one gym, seven in another, so they never interact. So if you lose half your team, you can still coach the other half. He's like, yeah, man, that'd be wild, but I, I think I'd have to think about it. Well, I, that's your Lon Kruger impression. I, 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 I think that's my Lon Kruger. I love, I love Lon Kruger. He's, he's wonderful, what? man. He is, he is, he is terrific. And uh, no, he, he, he was wonderful. But, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, I got a few coach uh, impressions, and I don't really, I, I don't break them out on the podcast a lot. But we can, <laughs> we can start, we can start making that a thing if you like. You have a few. What's another one? Well, I love Duke. I mean, we've done this one before. <laughs> I love Lon Kruger is the best when he was at UNLV I was doing my radio show in Memphis all right and Lon's the and and my producer is a UNLV was at the time a UNLV grad so he just booked Lon Kruger one day which I love. I mean, he's Lon Kruger, but like, they're really not a great reason to be talking to he's the not, UNLV he's basketball not the coach. Greatest quote. Listen, we love Lon, <laughs> sweet man. Just not. He's he's not going to be Chris Mack. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I, like, there wasn't. There's really not a great 
it's like, and it's not like UNLV is in the final four. Let's get a final four coach on. It was like, like it was January. Let's get Lon Kruger. And so he booked Lon Kruger. And I was like, oh, like I'll talk to Lon. Of course, like it's Lon Kruger. But it didn't, it, on, on a surface level for a radio show in Memphis, it didn't make much sense. And then I look at the schedule and it's like, because I was looking like, who do UNLV play this past weekend? Who do they play this week? And it's like, Dude, UNLV is playing tonight. You know, you know as well as I do. College basketball coaches are not doing radio interviews on the day of games. That's amazing. And so so he, so my producer has booked Lon Kruger in Memphis on like, and my 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 show is a afternoon drive show, so late afternoon in Vegas. And so we're recording the show early, I think, slightly early. And so it's one of those deals where they get Lon on the phone and we're not like live. So I can talk to him for a minute before we start the, you know, you know, the rejoin music. So I say, Hey Lon, listen, I, 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 my producer, like he, he loves you. And I obviously love you. So like, I'm all, I appreciate you doing this, but I, I hate that he asked you on a game day to do this. Cause I know that's not normal. He was like, I don't have anything else to do. It's fine. <laughs> like He just didn't care. It's like, he's the same guy who has open practices. You know, yes. Like if you want to, if you want to go watch Oklahoma practice, you can right. just go watch Oklahoma practice. Like literally, no, and 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 literally, like during non-COVID times, we're talking open practice. Like you got nothing to do at two thirty in Norman. Open practice, like that is yeah, a just, dying trend. Now, I'm not talking yeah. like your immediate. I'm talking literally. You are a citizen in Oklahoma, and if you want to get in to watch an open practice, and the building protocols allow for it, Lon Kruger's okay with it. Yeah, like dying trend. I don't even know any other high major coach who does that. Hmm. I feel like there might be one or two, but that's a good question. We'll have to get on that. But yes. So here's another good one. So Lon is the coach at UNLV. And it is starting to, it's coaching carousel time. And it's starting to, like you're hearing, like Lon Kruger might be the guy at Oklahoma. I know this story. This is so good. This is so funny. It's not so good, but it is is a good anecdote. It's ridiculous. So I'm like, I think I'm on radio and I'm juggling a lot of stuff, but it's, you're starting to hear like, Hey, I'm hearing, you know, you know how the thing go, you're texting with agents and people. It's like, what are you hearing about this? What are you hearing about that? Somebody hits you with, I'm hearing Lon Kruger at, is the guy at Oklahoma. Like it's done. So I'm like, okay. And I, I'm like, you know what? I'll just call Lon real quick. Cause I've, I've got a relationship with him, but, but you also know he's not going to answer the phone and he's not going to tell you what you, what you want to hear. Like, yeah. At best, in those situations, if it's somebody you really know well, they'll answer the phone and be like, listen, um, you know, we're, we're close on this thing, but we're not there yet. Or more likely, they won't even answer the phone. And they'll just later rationalize it by saying, hey, I was caught up in the middle of it. I know you understand, right. blah, blah, blah. So I call, like, two rings. Lon answers the phone. <laughs> Hello? Say, Lon, it's, it's Gary Parrish. Hey, Gary, how you doing? You got to. Do I don't have a. I, I don't do have it. a Lon Kruger impression. Right. He's like, hey, well, you want to? You want to do that? You want to just act it out right now? I mean, yeah. Know. I said. Uh, I said, hey, hey, uh, hey, it's Gary. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, like, Gary. Hey. What's uh, what's going on, man? I said. Uh, I said, Lon. Hey, listen. I, I don't mean to catch you off guard, but I'm hearing you're the guy at Oklahoma. Like you're leaving UNLV to take the Oklahoma job. And when you say that to somebody, I've done this a thousand times. So have you. Even if it's true, what they say is, listen, we're not there yet. Um, or like, hey, I can't talk about it right now. But like, you know, it looks like maybe heading that direction. But please hold off something. There's, it's never this. I said, Lon, I'm hearing you're the guy in Oklahoma. Like you're leaving UNLV to, to, to take the Oklahoma job. He says, 
where'd you hear that? I said, well, like just a, somebody I know in the industry, you know, just texted to me. It was like Lon's taking Oklahoma. He's like, well, yeah, I didn't know it was out there yet, but yeah, I am. <laughs> that was like, can I tweet that or whatever? He was like, well, I mean, it's true. So, I mean, I was like, that is the most unusual yeah. coaching carousel. Like normally that guy doesn't even answer the like, phone. I, I want to say, I might be not remembering this correctly. I want to say that you told me the story once and like you had two numbers for him and I thought you got him at home, like in his kitchen. But maybe I don't, re- I don't, I don't remember the details. Yeah. I just remember him first. I was surprised he answered the phone. Honestly, you, I, I think I was just making the phone call so that when I wrote the story, I could write uh, an attempt to reach Lon Kruger was unsuccessful. Right. You know, so you could put that in the story. I was surprised when he answered the phone, then surprised when he said what he said, but that's who he is. Like he's not, he's not out there trying to hide anything or run something. He just, he's, He's the best. Anyway, I didn't know we were going to turn this podcast That's into the line. No, no, no qualms with that. I don't even know where we were, by the way, at what point <laughs> you were getting toward. But uh, Oh, here's what, here's what I'm here okay. To circle back to the actual conversation. Yeah, scary. If you have daily testing and you are not required to contact trace the way football programs are largely having to contact trace right now, then I think you're going to be fine. If you have to contact trace a basketball team and quarantine for 14 days – I'm with Josh on this one. I don't know how you get through it. Yeah, and it's why I think that if you're a mid-major or low-major school conference and, you know, credit to, you know, Big West Commissioner uh, Dan Butterly, who, who has told me this on the record, like he is trying to figure out a way to get his conference games done in Vegas in pods, so like maybe two or three bursts, because I think you're going to have to do that if you want to – have your best chance of getting the most games possible there. Otherwise, I think you're just you're just asking for total. Like even Buttle even said that he's considering, and it's not going to be their first choice, second choice, or third choice. But he's like, if I have to go to a football model and literally do one game every Saturday for a minimum of ten conference games, and our we'd have a ten game league season, I'm prepared to do that. He also said we as a sport. I know we just got our start date, but we need to be open to the fact that we might get to a situation at some point, he didn't say when, it could be the second week of the season, it could be the seventh week of the season, where the outbreaks and contact tracing in the sport or the country just reach a certain level where everything just needs to stop for two weeks and the entire schedule, we need to be willing to push everything back. And I think it's a good point, and I think there's a chance that might actually happen. So you and I are both optimistic that the season is going to go down. I'm convinced of that. There's no way we're going to avoid cancellations here and there. It just becomes the question of the teams that matter, the leagues that matter, can they get in a majority of their games and just dodge this? And I'll tie it up real quick before we move on. You know, the NFL is allowed to do this exact thing. It tests every single day. Now, Tennessee got positives regardless, and I, in fact, think they might have brought someone they realized after the fact what had it. They didn't inform Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's waiting to see because they just played, like, are we, did we, was it transmitted? But the NFL was prepared to try, because what, what we don't know is if you have one positive, how many days worth, not 14, could it be seven? Could it be five? How many days are you allowed to have straight negatives and then play a game? No one has that answer yet. But what Tennessee and the NFL wanted to do was, all right, we got these positives here on Monday. Can we get to Thursday or Friday, Saturday? Everyone else continues to test negative and so that we can play the game Monday. Well, we found out on Thursday they're going to reschedule this game for another time in the season because we had even more positive surface on Wednesday with Tennessee. And so you can't, from a health and safety perspective, 
actually play that game. This exact scenario is going to play out in college football again, and it's going to play out in college basketball. It's just something to keep in mind. If you're curious about the thing that more people in college basketball are talking about than anything else except maybe scheduling, it is that. I had a long story go up, published on Wednesday. Give it a read. You can find it at cbssports.com. Before we get out of here, um, it's now official. Gonzaga Baylor, December 5th in Indianapolis. No fans. It will be on CBS. That's America's most, most watched network. It's the network of stars. Norlander, you reported this um, first, that they were going to play. Now we know where it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. It's a good thing for the sport. Hey, listen, this is... This is a great thing. The fact that, I mean, you know, when Mark Few lost his Pac-12 opponents initially, when the Pac-12 president said, uh, excuse, excuse me, sorry, sorry. God, why did I do that? CEOs. The, the, the group, C- is it the CEO group? I think, yeah, something like that. CEO group, the Pac-12 CEOs, one of the, one or the other. Anyway, Few lost three Pac-12 opponents. He was like, even though there was, within like a week, there was a thought that they might walk that back. Few was like, F this, I'm going to get, I'm going to get my games. And I'm sure he would have loved to get Cal to play in the kennel, but that's not going to happen either. So anyway. <laughs> so, zero, zero percent right. chance. And so with this, Oregon was supposed to play Baylor in Vegas for a Pac-12, Big 12 kind of deal with like three or four teams. Oklahoma was in there. It's not playing it anymore. There's another team I can't remember. Anyway, it's too much to keep up with. But so, listen, love this. We talked about this on podcast. We don't have to go back into it too much. But, yeah, Mark Few and Scott Drew said, we have awesome teams. We want the games. We want good opponents. Let's just make it happen. I thought they were going to try and make it happen in Orlando because they're actually both scheduled to play in the Jimmy V, which I believe is going to be December 2, but they're not scheduled to play each other. Like, Baylor's got Rutgers, and that remains to see if, if Rutgers is even going to play in that event, frankly. I'm, I don't know if that's going to be the case. And then Tennessee against Gonzaga, that is still scheduled to happen. Um, so I thought they would just logically make sense, just schedule a game two days before, two days after that. But that's not what's going to happen. They're going to go play December 5th in Indianapolis. Intersport is going to run that event. Uh, Intersport, known for its uh, reliable Final Four party. Um, also involved in a story I did two weeks ago where it's trying to set up a legitimate bubble in Indianapolis or a quasi-bubble, if you will controlled environment it's the preferred term over here in the norlander house um this wouldn't be part of that this is going to be a banker's life field house uh and so but i think this is the one event where they're hoping that like more teams see that that stuff can happen in indianapolis but it's great you've got them one and two you've got gonzaga one baylor two preseason top 25 there is a, a chance that we could have uh them one and two in the in the rankings if and when this game can go down and just to like kind of clue listeners in on like how that first week is shaping up like champions classic is going to be december one jimmy v december two you'll have probably one or two other really good games the third or fourth and then that december five is a saturday so it'll be one o'clock as you mentioned america's most watched network on cbs and it will lead into network network of stars we go it will lead into the sec on football the best sec game probably the best college football game of that weekend who knows it could be alabama lc for all i know i don't know but anyway um so that's a really really uh good thing it's official it's done and it's the first game that will be bro- be broadcast on the network of stars. Um, I America's have, most watched network. There we go. I have news, by the way, that I want to break on the podcast. Do you want to get into that right now? I I I think I do. Go okay. ahead. All right. So, not even for the tweets, not even for the story. Big Twelve fans, I tease this in the tweet. So you have for those that are not regular listeners. First of all, it, smash that subscribe button. Okay. All right. Or as Coach K would say. Smash that subscribe button. Actually, he wouldn't say it like that. That was brutal. I'll work on it. Um, Big 12, going to play two league games in December. So if you found the podcast, rate and subscribe. 
I'm enjoying this podcast. Aren't you enjoying this episode, GP? Um, uh, I'm watching Cardinals Padres and talking at the same time. I'm fine. Uh, your Mets aren't in the playoffs. What's going on with that Padres game? Uh, uh, the Cardinals are up 4-1, but the Padres now have, I believe, bases loaded one out. Let's go, Padres. Great uniforms, fun team. <sighs> Can't stay on the Cardinals. Cubby's fit over here. Okay. Here oh, we- by the way, before we get into this, okay. on uh, December 5th, the got? SEC games that are available, okay. Alabama at Arkansas, Vanderbilt at Georgia, A&M at Auburn, Missouri at Mississippi State, Ole Miss at LSU, South Carolina at Kentucky, Florida at Tennessee. Right now, I would assume... Florida at Tennessee. So would I. I think, that's the, I think that's the right call right now. We'll see how good each of those teams are. Okay, so Big 12 fans, welcome to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. It's time to start listening here. Here is your team-by-team, two-game Big 12 schedule. I'm not giving you matchups. I'm giving you matchups. I'm giving you locations, and I'm giving you dates. I got it all. This isn't out there yet. Here we go. We're going to go alphabetical order. Baylor. It's going to host Texas on December 13th, and it's going to play at Kansas State on December 19th. I will note that Baylor and Texas, both ranked inside of Parrish's top 20, that is one of a few games the Big 12 will have in December with preseason ranked teams. Iowa State fans, here's who you have in December. You're going to host Kansas State on December 15th. You're going to play at West Virginia three days later on December 18th. You are going to notice here that these games are all over the map. The first one will be... December 6th, and then there's a few that go as late as December 22. Kansas fans, here we go. You got the you got the toughest two games here. You got at Texas Tech on December 17th, and then you're going to host West Virginia on December 22nd. Parrish, can you tell me off the top of your head where you got Kansas, Texas Tech, and West Virginia in your rankings? I could not tell you anything off the top okay. of my head, but I can probably look it you up. You look it up while I tell them Kansas State, and then we're going to give people an idea of where KU, TTU, and WVU are in your rankings. Those are two big games. Kansas State is going to play at Iowa State on December 15th. It's going to host Baylor on December 19th. One more team. I'll get halfway through, and then GP can tell you where his teams are ranked there. Oklahoma is going to open up in Big 12 play. It's the first Big 12 game in December at TCU on December 6th, and then it's going to host Texas Tech on December 22nd. Where do you have Kansas, Texas Tech, and West Virginia ranked in your preseason top 25 and 1? Kansas is number 7. Texas Tech is number 19. And who else are you asking about? West West Virginia, Virginia, 13. Yeah, West Virginia, really good team. I think they got a chance of being even better than Kansas. We will wait and see on that. Five more teams. Oklahoma State gets to open up against TCU at home. That's on December 16. Four days later, it's going to go on the road and play against Shaka Smart's Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma State might have the best player in college basketball this year in Cade Cunningham. That game at Texas on 12-20 certainly has a lot of intrigue there. TCU will open up at home against Oklahoma on December 6th, and then 10 days later, it will play at the Pokes at Oklahoma State December 16th. Three more. Uh, for those that are keeping track, you can see where these games double up. For, but for Texas, Texas Tech fans and West Virginia fans, here's the clear schedule so you can hear it. Texas will be at Baylor on December 13th. That's a wonderful game. Uh, Texas is where in, in your rankings? Because they're also ranked. I'm almost positive. 
No, 100%. Texas is number 18, one spot ahead of Texas Tech. There we go. So, I'll, uh, again, a few top 25-level matchups here uh, with the Big 12. They did a good job. So, Texas will play at Baylor on December 13. They will host one week later the Oklahoma State Cowboys on December 20. And then final two, Texas Tech, as we mentioned. They're going to host Kansas on December 17. And then on the 22nd, they're going to play at Oklahoma. And West Virginia fans, if you've done their math, you already can tell, you're going to be home against Iowa State on December 18. You're the last Big 12 team to play a Big 12 game in December. And then four days later... Uh, in what is going to be a fantastic game. Talk about how great Kentucky Louisville is on December 26th. Well, four days prior to that, it will be West Virginia at Kansas on December 22nd. These are your Big 12 December games. They have been agreed to, voted on by the league. Obviously, they could be subject to change as circumstances necessitate, but uh, the league is anticipating that what I just read to you will, in fact, be the December schedule, and it will be an 18-game league schedule that will resume in January. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. That's a Baylor legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thanks once again for listening uh, to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of a stupid pandemic. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell one person about it. Go subscribe if you haven't subscribed. You can subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Norlander would appreciate it. Would Lon Kruger appreciate it? Yeah, I I got I gotta say I'm a I'm a big I'm a big eye on college basketball podcast listener and um, uh, sh- sh- shouts to Buddy Heald and uh, and uh, and shouts to Blake Griffin. Uh, I didn't coach him, but uh, but 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 Gary just a, just a heck of a player. <laughs> do you have any other coaches besides Coach K and Lon Kruger? I do. Or is it strictly old white coaches? <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> let's just space it out here. Let's just sprinkle it. In. Listen, we got a few new Big 12 listeners. We're going to sprinkle it in. And then, you know, if I wanted to, uh, I think I can do Bruce Weber, but there's no shot I'm going to try it off the top here. I mean, Bruce Weber, I'm, I'm going to work on there. Huggins, I got no shot. I, I don't have uh, nearly. Have you seen that picture of Hugs that was floating around? I did not. I did not. Is it, he is has, it good? Is for, he, First off, he he looks good. It looks like he's dropped some weight. He looks good. He has also grown long hair <laughs> and a beard. Yes, I hope he keeps it for the season. Not we don't have. Do we have a long haired basketball coach? Uh, this is why. This is why I love the podcast. We have to. But off the top of our heads, who is the coach in college basketball with the longest hair? See, this is when the listeners are going to find us and tweet at us. Who is the longest haired? Oh, GP. Like, I don't that's know. That's crazy. It's... Like, nothing is – like, there's no one that's immediately coming to mind. That's fascinating, actually. Longest – Like, and, and by long hair, I mean like, in the back, on the shoulders. There's none of that, like, is there? Exactly. Like, we're talking minimal. Like, there's not a – we don't Mike have a Gundy. Mike Gundy. Exactly. Like, there's not going to be anyone with a straight-up mullet. There's definitely got to be someone at the mid-major level who's there. But, like, I'm trying to think, like, when I we see coaches on the road for recruiting stuff, like, that, that kind of person with that kind of hair would stand out. GP. Well, Huggs is on his way. If he's not already there, Hold on. he's I'm looking on up, his before way. Before we wrap this, hold on. Bob Huggins loses weight. Uh, let me see if this is going to just pop up with a, tw- a Twitter. No. Was it on Twitter? I don't know where I saw it, but if you go to Twitter and you just do a Bob Huggins search, because I just did, it pops up. I'm, I'm, I want to check right now. Uh, I, I, what what context was he like photographed in? Though? Like, like, it looks like he's at a hot wing festival or something. I don't really know. Wait. Oh, it looks like he's at a tailgate maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what's here going. we. Oh, my. Oh, this is. Okay. This is no context. I on college basketball podcast preview. <laughs> this is absolute. First of all, this is downright marvelous. <laughs> Isn't it great? This he's is, got a goatee. He is, 
listen. And long gray locks. He's he's mid meal. So listen, no, your mid meal, no no mask need. He is in a crowd. There are some people with some masks there. He's he's. What are those things called behind him? Where you bring him to a, a tailgate and it's like a little tent. I don't. I've never know what those are called. We're gonna call that a tent. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't think it's a true tent. I think like a. Oh, maybe it's a tent. Anyway, just big time goatee, flowing locks, <laughs> basic West Virginia basketball cap on, jeans, and the windbreaker. Huggins, this is he better not he better not trim up. I want this in full flow, full bloom in time. But for doesn't season. he also look healthier? He does. He does. He looks vital. He looks he looks like he's actually enjoyed the fact that he hasn't had to like, you know, run a program the way he normally would and normally has for the past like forty years. This is this is glorious. I strongly endorse this look and it will be on Twitter. I'm going to retweet it after we put the podcast <laughs> up. Thank you for that. I'm glad we put that in before the podcast wrapped. All right, shout him out. Yeah, we already did. Uh, okay, well, whatever. Shouts to Bob Huggins then, okay? Shouts to Hugs. We'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.